Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. My guest today is Nirva Mehta. Nirva is an editor in Op India. She's also an author of the book. Let me get the name right. Flawed but fabulous. And her Twitter bio says she's an acquired taste here to create a dent in the universe. Nirva, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. Obviously, but today, guys, we are going to be talking about four specific reports. By the way, fantastic reports which uh, have been recently been written in the month of uh, January by Nirva. So I, I, I think the first report uh, was called uh, "Love, Land, and Jihad: Stories of Conversion from Gujarat: How Pooja Survived to Tell the Tale." That was written on 10th January. Then on the 13th of January, it was part two where Nirva says of mysterious water in Dargas, black magic and exploitation, grooming jihad horrors from the hinterland of Gujarat to then on the 17th of January, which is uh, a tale of two cities, which is Gopipura in Surat and Soni Falia in Bharuch, how Jains and Hindus are leaving their homes as the localities shift demography to on the 20th of January, the report is titled Aapka Pegam London Pancha Diya Hai Achha Kaam Ho Raha Hai Fraud Funding Forced Religious Conversion Tales from Gujarat. So just to give you guys a brief idea, I want Nirwa to, you know, maybe narrate all the four reports today in the beginning of the podcast. So a lot of the first half of the podcast is going to be about what were the experiences, what are the reports, and then maybe... You know, I can go uh, do a bit of a back and forth later on. So, Nirva, let's do this. First of all, fantastic work. I was really, you know, blown away. It was excellent. The reporting was amazing. So, Nirva, let's start with this. Um, let's start with the first one. So, what exactly was the 10th January report about? Um, <clears throat> so I'll start with uh, uh, sometime in October last year when I uh, when I came across very uh, one report about uh, land conversion rather the uh, disturbed areas act violation in Surat. From that, I started getting more and more information, and uh, then I got a few more leads. And at some point after discussion with Rahul, we decided to pursue those leads and see where it takes us. So. Uh, when I went to Surat uh, in January first week, I was not prepared for what would come to me. Uh, I was go- I was going with an open mind that I may come back empty-handed also, and it's you know just time and money wasted. But uh, I actually came back with a lot of changed perspectives, uh, a lot of things that uh, uh, that made me feel way too privileged uh, as an individual. That uh, and thank my stars that I did not have to go through these things. Um, on my very first day uh, in Surat, uh, so I, I do I did have a lot of ground support from uh, Hindu organizations, uh, the Bajrang, the, the uh, you know the Hindu Jagruti Manj, the RSS. They were very 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 helpful, and they went beyond their uh, their duty to help me uh, bring out these stories. Uh, so the first day, uh, when I, so the first story is about uh, the girl. Uh, we changed the name because to hire to protect her identity. She was a minor uh, when she went through the ordeal. Um, she was seventeen. Uh, so Surat. Uh, so uh, one thing that that I have been uh, noticed uh, is that uh, in in uh, across the cities, you know, when you enter the cities, all the entry points, there are a lot of these industrial areas. 
that is there in Ahmedabad also, that's there in Surat also. So Surat, uh, near Surat, there is this industrial area called Sachin, uh, where there are a lot of these apparel. Surat, as we know, is a hub for uh, apparel, uh, textiles and diamonds. So a lot of these uh, migrant workers come there and uh, they work there. Uh, they, a lot of these are very poor people. Uh, economically uh, very, very backward and uh, they all start uh, going to work along with their studies at a very young age. So this young girl used to go to this apparel uh, um, factory with her sister and her mother who also used to work at the same place. Um, she tells me about how uh, one of her colleagues, uh, Dilshad, um, uh, he uh, managed to get her number, her phone number, uh, because her phone was lying at the desk one fine day and she had stepped up, stepped away and he took her number. Then he started reaching out to her, ki, uh, you know, she said, Mujhe ye sab, I don't like all this, so I don't want to be part of this. Uh, after pursuing her for a couple of days, weeks, uh, he said, ki, okay, meet me once uh, and then uh, I'll never bother you again. So she decided that, uh, okay, I'll meet her, meet him once and then we'll, uh, you know, that then he'll probably let, let go of me. When he, she did go to meet him, he kind of abducted her uh, with two other people. They took her from Sachin to some place. Uh, there, there was one place near Surat. Uh, it was a it was a darga where she was taken first, and then from there she was taken to Mumbai. From Mumbai she was taken to uh, the boys' village in uh, in Bihar in Katihar. And there she said, "Ki the guy he told everyone that he wants to marry her and this and that, and everyone was initially apprehensive of getting him married to her because she was a Hindu, but uh, uh, he was very adamant." So they they kind of gave in. Initially, they got registered in the, in the, in the, under the Special Marriage Act, but uh, eventually, uh, he started uh, getting her to, uh, he, he got her to convert, uh, where a burqa, where a uh, reader Namaza Maulana had come uh, to get them married, to get the nikah done. So one thing is that if, you, if you're if you getting a nikah, uh, the Islamic marriage, both the people have to be uh, Muslims. So whenever people say that nikah hua hai, that means that the the non-Muslim has converted to Islam. Uh, so conversion is there. In in this case, particularly, we can see that it was a forced conversion because she did not convert out of her free will. Uh, at some point, uh, uh, her brother got in touch with some Hindu activists uh, in Sachin who then decided and tried to uh, you know rescue her. And uh, they tried to talk. The father got in touch with her. Uh, Dilshad would not let her talk to him. Talk, And uh, somehow they got to know. She They convinced her that her mother is unwell. They sent her pictures of her from the hospital. And uh, they the, the girl was like, okay, you know, let me go meet them. I'll do whatever you say. I'll come back. But let me go meet him. So uh, when her father came to pick her up, they sent, uh, you know, he sent, Dirshat made sure that he's alone. There's no one with him, no police, no activist with him. Only then did he allow to let her go. Uh, once back, they, uh, she was, she told her ordeal to her mother and sister that how 
she was made to wear the burqa and uh, made to read the namaz and she is like when i would sleep in the room her mother would his mother would come and uh, put uh, you know would do something on the bed sheet so uh, she was also taken to a dargah and made to drink water which is one of the major re- recurring themes uh, where uh, the girls are taken to uh, dargahs a lot of times and they are made to drink certain uh, some liquid they say some water but i don't know what it is so just, some just water just one question is it like with the intention to spike the drink or something uh most people say so the activists i talk to and everyone said that it is more of a vashikaran thing i tend to be little rational and i don't want to believe that vashikaran or things can happen but uh, the world is a strange place and uh, anything can happen so uh, uh i cannot completely dismiss a lot of things um unless i see it with my own bare eyes Uh, but uh, so they also tell uh, the activists that whenever we rescue girls we make sure that if she is wearing any dhaga any tawis uh, any such things we make sure that they get them off now this girl says that once she was back home uh, she would wake up in the morning reciting the namaz and she has no recollection of doing that so in just 3 4 weeks that she spent in katihar at that guy's place she learned how to recite the namaz as well and how it's to be done and the prayers and all that so that's little so that's also very unbelievable thing because if if this is unbelievable this exactly is also unbelievable but there are witnesses to this uh so this is what happened and then she was like okay you know i'm here but then people would keep looking at me as if mere sath bahut bura hua hai and she was feeling humiliated by the society at large who kept uh, some of them taunting and you know not being nice generally so she one finally decided to go back to the shahad because um, you know why not it makes more sense that at least he loved her that's what he said but uh, and at least it would be away from the humiliation she was facing here uh, thankfully when she was when she left uh, her sister noticed that she was gone and she again got back in touch with the people who rescued her and when she boarded a train from uh, surat to go to whatever place she was going they managed to stop her at such an itself they got her back and uh, so to keep her away from the society pressure that she was uh, su- suffering from another activist uh, activist took her in uh, she would counsel her you know empathize with her speak to her that you know it's not her fault and things are okay things will be okay over the years it's been 6 7 years since that happened and over the years she is in a better place mentally she was brave enough to come on on record to say this um when she started crying i was see it's it's one thing reading about these things on in media every day you read about things but it's another thing completely when the victim is sitting right in front of you and i felt like no one in my entire extended family friends has ever been through similar situation at and she was only 17 when that happened to her right at 17 what were we doing we we, we lived such careless lives we did not have to uh, face any society humiliation we did we, we, we were not kidnapped we were not asked you know forced to convert our religion we didn't even know that these things existed yeah that was kind of um, that that kind of made me you know uh, realize and it was kind of a reality check for me ke dude no i really 
uh, things are really bad and we don't really know how bad things are for a lot of people out there uh i also spoke to a lot of activists there so uh, police and all of these the people who have rescued and all couple of things that came were as i said this uh, this vashikaran is one of the recurring themes um uh, those who believe they do believe that these things exist so there's i'm not going to deny all that um other thing is that they get uh, a lot of training uh, uh some of these people are groomed uh, to make sure that these things happen uh, to lure girls into relationships uh there is also one concern which comes that when such girls are rescued when they come back uh, the family support is sometimes missing uh they constantly face humiliation they feel that you know they are made to feel little worthless so that's where they, their their morale also breaks uh so i think as a society we need to be little more empathetic uh and uh, police also so police i spoke to the dig surat and he see and he said that a lot of these times parents don't uh, keep an eye on their own children uh they they go to the police when things have already gone out of hand uh um, mm. if your child is and not just in this these kind of cases of uh, conversion and all but also in cases of drug abuse uh mm. that you know if your child is being little uh, strange maybe take note of these things uh but uh, so yeah that was the my first story uh on uh, on the conversion of this girl um all right now let now let's talk i want you to con- because see it was a flowing pieces right it was one after the other so let's go now to right. the next one where you talk about mysterious water in dargas black magic and exploitation uh, uh because uh, is there anything from the second part where which you would want to talk about in this there was one interesting thing was that uh, there are a couple of dargas in and around surat so i'll talk about in so in and around surat only because that's only where these are the only two places i went to um mm. some of these dargahs i'll not take the names are little shady uh, they uh, are uh, they are accused of being uh, centers for conversion um they so how they escape law is that the conversion or such illegal activities don't take they don't take place in the premises inside the dargah uh, but it's it's um, so near the gate so you are still there they get the refuge they get the uh, support from the molanas from the dargahs for these conversion but they somehow still manage to escape the law a uh, lot of these places also get a lot of funding uh, they have uh, lawyers high profile lawyers uh, uh, you know they um, defending them they have lawyers ready for affidavits and uh, conversion papers whenever required so uh these yeah, how the hell do they manage are... this nirva there because this one this part struck out to me also that they have like a battery of lawyers who are high profile yeah. how the hell did they manage this it's actually very surprising in fact uh, uh, some lawyers and some businessmen in surat are also accused of being part of these uh, illegal trade illegal funding which goes into the madrasas and dargahs and mosques uh, where they eventually are used for uh, uh, such illegal conversion activities 
and other terror activities obviously so yeah that uh, th that's actually very very surprising and very unfortunate also uh, a lot of these um, recently one vadodara based uh, trust uh, afmi its license fcra license was cancelled in december uh, that trust was is accused of uh, money laundering and using the money they get for charity for post religious conversions um the trustee the one who ran the trust uh, salauddin sheikh is currently uh in custody of upats for the up uh, post conversion racket umar gautam one yeah so somehow these two the the one which we'll talk later in some time the baruch conversion case mass conversion of tribals and the upats they are somehow at some point they have their they crossed paths so uh, dargahs are mysterious they have uh, so one thing i got to know or rather was very interesting was uh, so dargahs don't really actively have the conversion within it uh, one of the source told me that they act as place where um, there are certain dargahs near surat which are very popular as the epitome of communal harmony like many other dargahs across india which are very popular tourist destinations also they are an epitome of uh, uh, communal peace and harmony uh, he said that 95% people who still go to these dargahs are hindus because they, they identify themselves as as hindus they have not converted but they would rather go there every week every other day chadar chadhane and all that because they feel that they are closer to the dargahs than they are to their own faith so by this way they they are diluting their own faith so they are they're still hindus but their faith in hinduism is diluted so going forward it would be little easier for them to be lured into conversion into islam because they already feel so much attached to the to the dargahs and they feel that the the saint has helped and allah has listened to them so uh, maybe you know the uh, level listen to you if you convert to islam so that is very interesting yeah yeah it's, it's 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 almost as if i don't know how to say it but we'll talk about it once we narrate the stories because i have so many angles that we can cover from all of this you know <laughs> internally from a community point of view but i want to leave it to the latter after the discussion okay now let's go to the third one where you talk about gopipura and surat and soni falia and bharuch how jains and hindus are leaving there yeah uh, hindus are leaving their homes as the localities shift demography now uh, just before you come up with the story uh, this is the same one that was doing rounds on twitter right yeah the the very popular uh, clip had gone viral that uh, uh, lady in burka was asking one of the residents that if this house is for sale and the resident gets really angry and he talks her down that no this house is not for sale aapko kisne bola don't come here again so we went to that place um it's a it was a once a jain majority area a couple of years back one uh, jain sadhvi who used to live there uh, in that area she um that i think it are around 2015 if i'm not wrong because she wrote the letter to the chief minister of gujarat who was anandiben patel and one of the copies also went to the prime minister of india narendra modi so um 
she wrote a letter uh, to uh, to the uh, you know leaders of the country and she said that uh, over the years a lot of muslim uh, neighbors have uh, purchased the property in their house and uh, while god has made everyone similar uh, and you know all are same in the eyes of the god uh there is a constant harassment she has been facing she said that she is a jain and uh, in in their faith uh, they don't even uh, eat non veg they don't even eat root vegetables for that matter because mm. that's that you know jeev daya and all that so uh when during the bakri then or she said he, she saw that uh, they got the bakris and they would tie the bakri in their courtyard and uh just to tease her they would take the goat for a walk and you know make her stand in front of her house uh they would peel onion garlic and put the peels in front of her house onion garlic is also one of the things they don't jains don't consume so uh that was kind of harassment she was facing and on, on one of the days they slaughtered one of the the goat and uh, at 4 in the morning and the goat cried out so loudly and she woke up from her sleep and she was so devastated by the cries of the goat uh, she started chanting the navkar mantra and all that and nothing would you know make her feel better uh, her heart was in so much pain because of the slaughter happening right across her place and a uh, couple of hours later they slaughtered another goat in the similar fashion washing the the blood in front of her house she went out and she was stopped by someone who told her that you know aap mat aao because there is blood mixed with water here so that was so much harassment she was she actually tried to commit suicide uh but uh, thankfully she she was saved she now has been relocated elsewhere but that was in gopipura subsequently uh, the disturbed areas act was brought in in gopipura uh this abeyas act is an act uh, uh, that our gujarat government implemented couple of years back and uh, we'll we'll discuss about it at a later later stage so that there's some little clarity on the disturbed areas act um, and uh, uh, so basically disturbed areas act would put restriction not saying that they would reject but the stringent proce- the process becomes more stringent of transfer of immovable property uh so that was happening uh, so gopipura was brought into the uh, the disturbed areas act and uh, the transfer of property eventually became a little tougher but again it's not tough as tough as it should be in in uh in the uh, in law because the rules were not framed ap law la diye but rules frame nahi kiye so it's still happening as it is it was happening earlier without the law being in place uh so about uh i think uh, 40% of 40 50% of uh, the population now there is muslim which was earlier a 100% jain population uh, there are dera sirs and uh, other places of worship for jains in the locality but there are more masjids coming up as well so that is the story of gopipura and people are wanting to leave their homes because a jains and muslims uh, so uh, one muslims are generally they 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 don't have any such restrictions on food and they do consume non vegetarian and jains who don't even consume potatoes onion garlic uh, 
for them to get the smell of non vegetarian cooking right across is is not easy to live with and uh, uh, some of them also started facing harassment of uh, the girls being harassed uh, so things were happening and so things escalated and some people started leaving the houses so once one person goes the other person will start leaving and one their house is now being sold to a muslim resident because they are the they are quite keen on buying their houses to you know to stay within their community nearer to their community because there is already such a huge population of muslims there now so that's how that's exactly what polarization of population is that that's what disturbed area act tries to stop that people should not have to leave their house out of fear uh similar case is in uh, is in baruch as well uh, where sony faria is for you is basically so if you've been to old cities in gujarat i don't know about other parts of the state of the country but in gujarat they are they're they poor ports are the old cities narrow winding lanes where uh, uh, initial civilization started when the cities were developed those were the original cities so uh, there are narrow lanes and all uh, in those narrow lanes one particular lane would be a for you right so sony for you is that one particular lane where which was again a hindu population and suddenly one person starts buying a house and then other houses start going for sale once sometimes people start leaving the city they move to a bigger place because faryas and old city are little tinier apartments tiny mm-hmm. houses so once they start moving to a more a bigger place their house are sold and uh, again uh, that also has a disturbed areas act in place where there are things like violation uh, circumventing uh, the process happen um one of the modus operandi rather there was that uh, um original uh, seller is a hindu uh, first buyer is a hindu uh, hindu person one, one two buys from hindu person one now a muslim person one comes in the picture and in within just two months hindu person two will sell the house to muslim person one so if if property is is being sold at such short notices there is something which is not right and not just one property multiple properties like this are being sold where uh, such transactions take place in very short span of time uh one similar so that that's one of the cases of sony faria where uh, this way and um there's a temple there uh, 150 year old temple of lord shiva and right across there now entire uh, neighborhood of that lord shiva ka temple is of uh, muslim residents um they don't like there's a jalaram uh, bapa temple also there and they don't like the aarti because aarti is a haram and hence they objected to the aarti being played at the temple so uh, that also kind of offended the religious sentiments of the hindus there and uh, the activists and the residents there told me that when they reached out to the police administration they were harassed from the by the administration and they were in fact threatened with cases for trying to uh, break the uh, you know communal peace and harmony yeah similar in fact uh, isko so hindi mein kehte ulta chor ko twal ko date yeah uh, the reason mm-hmm. i i got to know so much more in detail about the disturb areas act was uh, the first case which we did was in surat in the building called rehan heights 
I think it is a Adarjan area, if I'm not wrong. Um, uh, so, uh, in a disturbed area, Zach, what happens is when um, when a person wants to buy or sell property, irrespective of religion, it's a longer process in a disturbed area. If that part area comes under the disturbed areas act, so the uh, corporator will have to, the commissioner will have to. uh go and speak to the neighbors uh make sure that take it in writing interview them they uh, that they don't have an issue if the property is sold between these two people mm-hmm. it's a longer process than a normal process in say another part of the city where any normal buying selling can take place uh this is to make sure that uh, there is no polarization that you know everyone is well aware of the properties being sold and purchased uh so in rehan heights what had happened was that land say belonging to mr x a hindu uh was wanted uh, it uh, a partnership firm of muslims uh, muslim businessmen they wanted to purchase the land uh just before the the, the deal they got a hindu partner uh, on board with 10% share and uh, the deal took place when the deal took place they this was happening in 2020 when the initial uh, lockdown was in place for uh, coronavirus so uh, during that time they put up the file in the corporation the transfer of movable property and they said ke uh, say the hindu man's name is mansukh bhai so mansukh bhai and others so corporate is like acha this is a hindu person selling to a hindu person and they were like okay maybe it's a covid times and they tried they probably oversaw over sort of you know overlooked the whole disturbed areas aspect they did not do the due diligence transfer property ho gayi once that happened the hindu partner was removed and two more muslim partners were brought in and uh, they started construction of building and uh, eventually so all these people they fought the case and they got to stay on the construction further construction and now the the, the transfer property deal is also stands cancelled now as per the corporation so now they will have to figure out what is to be done next so th- these are the things that have happened this is what triggered my little interest in the disturbed areas act and uh, we can talk more on it later but that was the the land jihad bit all right now now let's go to the last one where uh, you talk about fraud mm-hmm. funding forced religious conversions uh, especially in the tribal areas right so let's talk about that all right so uh, generally what comes to our minds when we talk about um, conversion of people in tribal areas is unfortunately uh, the christian missionaries uh, because um, those are one of like prominent places like the dang uh, here in gujarat they are very prominent where it comes to conversion so uh, when i got to know about conversion of tribals into tribal hindus to islam i got a little interested so i may when i was in surat i made a trip to baruch it's about uh, 100 kilometers from surat baruch uh, baruch is a district in baruch district there is amod gam amod taluka in amod taluka there is a kankaria village it is so obscure kushal it is so obscure that it's not even on google maps and google map has everything including the tree outside my house so 
it is that obscure in that obscure yeah, village the only reason i know about bharuch and the surrounding areas is because there's a big gidc in dahej oh yes dahej uh dahej and surat ke paas hazira but anyway so um uh, uh, when i went there there was it is the people there are extremely poor uh, there is only one the sarpanch who has a pakka house that to two rooms uh there is extreme poverty so sometime 2009 ke aas pass i i talked to the person who filed the fir in the post religious conversion cases in november last year he told me about the how things happened with him and with people around him he said that one thakur bhai vasawa uh in their uh, village he he had a shop and one of their suppliers was one uh, sh- i forget the name i think samad bakery wala and his brother shabbir bakery wala if i'm not mistaken uh they would um, so they they were the ones who were their sellers uh, his seller, uh, suppliers uh the bakery wala brothers they uh, initially got him converted to islam he then got some another guy called ajit wasawa converted to islam and subsequently three more three four more people got converted to islam in quick succession in 2009 around what got them uh, set the alarms off were the fact that the last conversion the latest conversion at that time was of the mandir ka pujari so that's when they were like yeah you you now can't be the pujari of the mandir you know if you're not following the faith so they were like either convert either leave the village or revert to hinduism again some of them decided to revert and some of them were like so they first left and then they came back and then they reverted one of them was a jipasa but uh, the the person who fired the fire he alleged that uh, he continued the conversion luring people to conversion they were lured by uh, offering money money and food initially food and oil and masalas were offered to them then it went to money uh he was uh, um, one of the source he told me that he was offered uh, so what they happened was the, there were a bunch of people fifta wala one of the accused is fifta wala uh, who also came from a village called nabipur near bharuch and he currently lives in uk he is also an associate of salauddin sheikh we just talked about who is also associated with the upats and up conversion racket so uh, they would ask money from the uk and other places foreign funding so they would get money that you know we are converting so many people we need to uh, you know so many people are coming to islam so we need to give them money and you know for their well being and for uh, you know keeping them happy and whatever because we have made promises to them so say they get 1 lakh rupee per person from london they would pass on only 1000 2000 rupees to these people so the rest of the money either they would use it on their own or they would use for other funding purposes nobody knows so that was that used to happen when i asked him how what did they tell you why should you convert to islam so couple of things was that uh, a they were asked that if you they convert to islam they will be given money jobs a woman to marry so these were the the you know things to promise to them and uh, they were also so i asked them were they told something about negative about hinduism 
you know okay they will tell you that islam is great and all that maybe you know maybe it is but did they tell you anything about how hinduism is how, why you should live hindu leave hinduism uh he was very apprehensive and uh, felt really ashamed to say these things he was not sure if he should uh, because um, he thought i may feel an offend yeah i may feel offended by it but like it's okay you have to you can tell me what is you know what you were told uh very so they were told little things like you know so let's understand these are tribals they have they have had very little education they are very poor uh they have had very little exposure to the outside world uh so they are told that uh, you know you go to a temple there is uh, prasad aap dete ho bhagwan ko but on that prasad you can see makhi and chiti coming and sitting on the prasad so what kind of god or how how your is your god so powerful that uh, he can't get rid of those uh, flies of the prasad uh so okay so these people they think ha huh, maybe he's right how can my all powerful god can't get rid of the flies given from the prasad that is offered to him uh then he was told about the the story we've all grown up listening to about mata shiv mata parvati and ganesha and how she had one gone for a bath for a bath and uh, ganesha was standing guard at the door and lord shiva comes looking for mata parvati and you know uh so uh, they are told that how lord shiva killed his own son so they are questioned you know how can a father not know his own son especially if he's a god how can a god not know that it's his own son so okay so that's what they start wondering ki acha maybe he makes sense and then they are told about uh, how um uh, as a god lord shiva killed an innocent elephant to bring back his son uh, to change the you know uh, the head and all that so they were like uh, if he is if he is so all powerful god how did he not bring him back to life on his own why did he have to kill another soul to bring back uh, lord ganesha so that's when they tell you that you know how can your god how can there be so many gods uh, only humans can be so many look at you so many people around how can there be so many gods uh, so yeah th- there there were there were ways to put doubts in their heads about against hinduism and then there are they are made to taken that told molanas come from other parts of the country they are taken to places like the, the, the jamaats they were taken to in bombay and near bombay and uh, they are made to feel very important that uh, so many people people in power positions and uh, the maulanas telling them that you know now that they have uh, they are in the allah's uh, you know kya kehte hai usko now that they are with allah that their only good things will happen to them and um, chhatra chhaya uh, chhatra chhaya chhatra chhaya i blame my covid brain for forgetting words but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so and the the, the 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 headline of that article as i said it was aapka paigam so the, imagine in an obscure village where nothing works this fellow is telling them ki main aapka paigam london pahuncha dunga 
so these people feel so important that their message is now going to go to london all the way till london so they were made to feel very important ki you know ki hamare liye kya kya we are so important in the whole scheme of things you know what i find funny about this whole thing is that you know they are converting by finding the absurdity in one story look i'm a disbeliever so i got no dog in this fight but you know what i find funny is It's like the guy who believed their prophet went on a winged horse thinks the other person's story is funny. It's just, I, every time I listen to these arguments, I just, that's the first thing that comes to my head. You literally believe in a winged horse. How can you convert someone else on the basis of that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But they were also, in fact, what shocked me was that they were also uh, uh, lured to take up jihad. they were offered money to take up jihad eventually but this fellow said no and then he went and filed a complaint against them so <laughs> yeah <laughs> all power to him <laughs> oh my god it, it, it's you know it's just it's just every time this happens look now let's talk about something so first of all you know you did talk about it in the beginning but i still i i have to ask this so and i'll tell you why i'm asking this look i have personal experience of now more than a decade i, I don't share the details of it on my show or on twitter or on social media for for multiple reasons and i'll continue to do that but i have worked in slums in villages scheduled tribe villages scheduled caste villages i've seen many things in my life in the last decade through my activism political social whatever but I want to hear from you now. You've you've traveled extensively. These four reports involve a lot of traveling. And I, I, when I say traveling, not just that. I have so many kilometer cars. No, no, no. Literally, you know, walking, meeting people. So, my, first, I want to ask you, how do you feel? Um, I was I, I I couldn't sleep for a couple of days. I I even now I sometimes feel. Uh, i get I, i get very disturbed sleep because of all the things that i heard and i felt that um, i i i felt guilty for being privileged at at a lot of times that you know i did not have to go through all these things and it's just so sad uh, when that girl was crying in front of me and what was worse was um, not just that these stories exist but there is a huge huge section of society which is ready to dismiss the stories as real stories uh one there are so many people who dismissed the testimony of this girl as she is a paid bjp or indutva troll on doing saying all these things on on instructions of modi why would this anji modi matlab personally this, call kar raha hai ha ha modi personally call Ay, kar raha hai shabash modi kitna vela prime minister all the ha all the way in in an obscure place like sachin which which is so far off i uh, and they 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 just dismiss these stories uh, i i believe not all interfaith marriages are love jihad or rather grooming jihad that's what we call them because if i firmly believe there is no such thing as love jihad if there is love it's not jihad if it is jihad it's not love so yes so interfaith marriages they they happen people are very happy in their interfaith married lives and more love to them good for them but having said that you cannot dismiss this part of the the reality as well 
that these things exactly. are happening right in front of our eyes it's okay if you don't want to believe but don't don't um, or you you want to live in a happy bubble where uh, there's only happy endings to all the love stories that you hear but uh, very interestingly so i i got to know that uh, these um, uh these dargahs or a lot of these some of these masjids they act as training ground for men young boys to do uh, to train them to do this grooming jihad and all what they do is that um, um that good looking ones are given training on how to where to go how to meet girls how to speak to them how to make them feel important uh one thing that came out was that you know all these girls are from such poor economically uh, weak section of the society a lot of these girls have also seen uh, only those men in their lives who are alcoholics uh they've only seen that the, the father in their homes are uh alcoholic and beating up the mother all the time so her all the time so that's all their idea of a man now here comes a man very good looking boy who drives a bullet has so much money to spare to buy a bullet and also uh, you know fuel money because obviously fuel is expensive everyone knows that uh, now this guy he tells her that hamare uh, mein alcohol is haram so obviously this girl who thinks that the root cause of all problems in life is alcohol uh she agrees that you know if he does not believe in he does not consume alcohol he is definitely a good boy only that he probably isn't because there is no real identity about him uh they get married whenever they do sometimes they the only proof of address is the rental agreement which also has a wrong address a lot of times uh they will use very generic names like sonu samir which can be either hindu or a muslim the girl probably doesn't even know a lot of times maine kunal naam bhi suna hua hai by the way <laughs> kunal <laughs> so uh, yeah so if 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 there is this element of deceit in a relationship at whenever it is starting how do you ignore it um uh, how do you dismiss the whole whole so many victims their lives ruined a very interesting thing i uh, i got to know was uh, that uh, so there are two kinds of uh, women that are being targeted sometimes they are either these extremely poor girls from economically weak section or a lot of times dalit girls uh, and if not that then it is either those girls who are financially well off and upper caste girls so um 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 what was i saying i forgot oh my god you saying how they target people how they target people yeah okay uh-huh. so let me come 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 in a little bit over here so uh yeah. where <laughs> once you get your thought back you go <laughs> it just vanished it it's just a- vanished it's it's okay it's it's it happens it happens uh the, we all have those moments but okay i i want to come here and let let's start now unpacking the entire series so here's the thing what happens is when we have discussions like this you are 100% right that we cannot ignore the agony of that single person no matter what uh in india we have these horrifying stories no matter what people want to say that happen and especially i want to talk about that 
you know the jain muslim conflict which is very interesting because in here here are in the eyes of the left which looks at everything through you know oppression oppress oppressor you know that's how numbers and whatever they want to look at it so even if i looked at it from a left wing perspective jains and muslims are minority in india in fact jains are an even smaller minority in terms of absolute numbers than muslims in india now here's a classic case where you know taleb kind of becomes right where uh, as nasim taleb says the most intolerant wins kind of thing right uh, if, if when it comes to let's say food habits but let me be very clear like i was born and raised in a majority jain area and lo and behold no non veg is allowed there even today in ghatkopar east and I, and i look i have to be honest if we were talking about this let me be very honest in a majority jain area like jains live in complexes so so this is like you know how builders in ghatkopar do it right so in mumbai there'll be a dera sir inside the complex dera sir hua that is like a bad signal ahi aavi jao jain loko kind of a thing all the jains will go there and the jains will buy a house they will make sure no non jain enters that area so they can then impose their rules and regulations on the entire society so what is fascinating to me is because jains in my experience are known to be very you know particular about this which is where so i guess the muslims outdid them in the intolerance too because they're like no nah, bro you're out of here so so this is one of the rare occasions the jains lost because they've been beating hindus in ghatkopar in this department tumhe lakdi ho tum log niklo yahan se you know you're not there but i and the jain hindu you know confrontation barely happens is because they will always find a hindu who's vegetarian and who would also love to go and stay in a jain building which is vegetarian but my larger question is but then how do we balance this out right because i have given you an example of jains also doing this they don't like non veg so they don't they actively don't allow non veg in societies so how do we deal with this problem is my question to you i have no answer on how do you deal with this issue i think uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know because i i, I can't really um, yeah it's it's a difficult uh, place to be in but uh, if um yeah yeah it, it's it's a very difficult question to answer there is no no right and, answer and you can this. relate to what i'm saying right because you're from gujarat uh, jains live in a huge number in gujarat i mean uh, which I is very interesting because in jains and muslims jains and muslims also a lot of these places where there are distributors act in place like gopipura for example or paldi in ahmedabad for that matter these places are are have are jain majority and muslims muslims and jains they live together types um uh, which is uh, which is very surprising a lot of times uh, but it is it's not surprising oh, because jains are uh, fundamentally fundamentalist nonviolent people <laughs> so it's never a problem to live with jains they're not going to kill you kudos yeah, to jains they see See, see, the biggest thing is people always should remember one thing, right? The fundamentalist of a religion will be like the fundamentals of the religion. So, what will a fundamentalist Jain be? My best friends are Jain. They don't even kill a mosquito. वो मच्छर आते हैं तो ऐसे करता है वो. Yeah, I, I actually asked a colleague of mine. Um, he's he's Jain, and I asked him that uh, uh, because I, I, I have an electric racket. I, I, I. It's my guilty pleasure every day. I like to kill mosquitoes and see the dead bodies lying around me. Uh, which is very uh, disturbing thought uh, to have. Did you share a But, photo of that on Twitter too? <laughs> yeah, a couple of times I've done that. Uh, I, I, I think I may be, I may be a very disturbed individual in deeper. And, uh, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but uh, well, well, I worked with Rahul Roshan, so I obviously need to be a little more off balance to to have a boss like him. Totally agree. But uh, so I asked him, what do they do with the mosquitoes? Do you kill them? He said, no, we don't kill them. In fact, uh, on Bakrid, he and his family they they fast for the the goats that have been sacrificed that day. Yes, they mourn the death yes. of those. Those I'll goals. tell you one thing. So you, you know, in Mumbai, Chembur area, there is this area called Devnar. So in Devnar, there is the largest slaughterhouse, like in Mumbai, I think. It's a terrible place, by the way. Pathetic conditions. I mean, I don't know. So there is this community, a section of Jains that have been silently protesting. The most fascinating community of India will never raise a hand. They just hold placards outside. Across the road, legally with police protection, and they have been protesting daily for years outside the Devnar depot. They don't, they don't bully, they don't heckle, they do nothing. They just stand outside, they hold a placard, and they say, "This is wrong." That's all they do. Yeah. Which is where they, the whole they, question comes. They, Does they the other community follow hurt. this thing? No, they don't. They they don't they they yeah. giants they they, they 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 even apologize every year for hurting you hurting you even by their thoughts. So yeah yeah. Micha mi dukram. Micha mi dukram. Hmm. So so okay. see I, I my my experience with giants is intense. A I'm a textile guy. B I'm from Ghatkopar. So <laughs> my life is all about textiles and, and and these areas you were talking about right. So because textiles and Gujarat are like. intertwined and anybody even in maharashtra will basically keep having you know these relationships with gujarat so this entire belt that you're talking about is pretty much the diamond textile belt where so sachin and all that area amdavad and the surrounding areas of mm. amdavad even interestingly in bharuch in the extension area there there is a lot of this this work that goes on so yeah it's interesting but now i have to and let me so because see somebody also asked this question in the live audience to me you know they they said that kushal you have looked at the pew report which said muslims in india believe in multiple gods after listening to such stories how much credible the report is first of all belief in multiple gods has nothing to do with conversion you can still be a multiple god believing muslims who still believes in proselytization that's my first answer but second i want to share some data right so i i was looking at the census data right when we're talking about conversion we also have to talk about the impact Not, not that I am a very sad. Ki hi, what a sucky conversion ratio these people have. No, no, I am celebrating that. That even if they are doing it, they kind of suck at it. And and I want to ask you about you know what happens because of what I have heard in Gujarat in in from my point of view. So the two thousand one census report showed that we can only go by census report. So you know when it goes to off census, we can speculate anything. So. 2001 census may at least i'm giving it a 20 year period i was looking at 9.1% was the population of muslims in gujarat in 2011 kyunki latest census uh, thanks to china abhi wo report bahar aani rahi hai for multiple reasons um, china is amazing it, that shows the muslim percentage is 9.67% now in terms of percentage of the population it is not that significant a jump i'm not saying there is no jump so so i want to be very precise here so that means that while there are attempts there are also counter attempts because you know i've heard stuff like this also uh, i'm not going to take the names of the religious organizations see everybody can think rss bajrangdal bjp bhp but there are multiple religious organizations of gujarat 
that very actively uh, and i have seen it with my eyes where one village converts next day the hindu organization goes reconverts the whole damn village back into the fold of hinduism and it happens and, and i don't want to take the name of the organization is because it is sullied right now for uh, a few acts of the leaders samajhdar ko ishara kafi hota hai wo log samajh jayenge kyunki wo gujarat se hai to logon ko 2 minute mein samajh padega but they do so there is an active resistance to this what i want to ask to you is that in your field work did you see that resistance to reconvert people back who are being yes that is a yes a lot of things i think uh, the data may also be incorrect or rather uh, factually a uh, little off is because a lot of these conversions are not on paper they're not documented not everything is filed in the court in affidavits um so uh, uh like the vasava community which was struggled. so they they took uh, took all of them to because they probably wanted to get the money and all they were taken to surat from baruch in these maruti eco cars uh, and uh, they had to file affidavit that they have converted they got their official aadhar changed and everything was changed for them but a lot of times they don't even have these documentation so it's very difficult to actually get the actual figure of how many are converted uh but yes there is resistance not just in conversion but also of uh, uh there's a pushback also happening in some parts like uh uh, uh some organizations in surat they have started playing the the hanuman uh, chalisa twice a day they say that you know this this helps them uh, get peace and brings them closer to the dharma so twice a day uh, the timing of the hanuman chalisa is also surprisingly amazing <laughs> yeah 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 but it's only twice a day not uh, more than that uh, i believe but uh, <laughs> good lord no no uh, and lord. all power to them someone comes to arrest me okay <laughs> my that would be my father's nightmare come true if i get arrested at this point but yeah, <clears throat> yeah no, it's okay these are my words not yours <laughs> so yeah there is there is a bit of a resistance lot of people they they counseled when when the girls are converted and when they are victims of grooming jihad they are they are brought back to hinduism fold the families of the victims i spoke to they also have embraced hinduism back and unko prasad diya tha and they were made to feel welcomed clean and you know they that they are as part of hinduism as anyone else and they should not feel bad about it or they should not feel that you know they did some crime so uh yeah there is there is a bit of that this things happen they do uh, there is a very strong undercurrent in the rural part of the gujarat where uh they do bring back people to the hinduism fold uh, those who have been taken away taken by deceit or lured into other faith all right two three more questions and then we'll jump straight into the live viewers questions so you know the the reports you're sharing it doesn't matter if there are 5000 or 5 the reports to me uh indicate one thing it is a law and order failure it is a failure of uh, the machinery of the government in general and then the natural question i as a bjp voter i am not saying you are a bjp voter and nor do i want you to disclose your voting uh, preferences uh, 
you know you could vote nota also who knows uh, you were inspired by anand ranganathan's tweets <laughs> but my my point is that if the bjp is there in general has been in power in gujarat for now more than two decades more than two decade two decades and a half uh, what does it say about the overall law and order machinery in gujarat then so couple of things uh, the gujarat government has been proactive in this otherwise they would not have brought in the forced religious conversion bill the anti forced religious conversion bill which is very contentious in lot of parts of country they gujarat government was one of the first ones to implemented even the disturbed areas act for that matter one of the few states to have this act in place which is also at least notified certain areas are notified so yes the state machinery seems to be aware and uh, uh, active but i still feel there is a lot that needs to be done uh, for example up act la diye but if you have not formed the rules and regulations and notified the rules or if the state administration the lower departments are not aware that these things are exist uh, in that case it's a state failure so if uh, if there if there is a disturb areas act in place in that particular area and if the police officer is not aware of it or does not take it seriously then it is it is you know it's a failure uh, hopefully that doesn't happen that often but it still does happen there is always scope for improvement for everyone uh i spoke to a lot of people i asked them what they feel about the current state home minister uh, harsh sanghvi and how do they feel the general bjp government including modi at the center who has been the chief minister uh so um, they all say that uh, things are in place but things could still be better like a lot of people mm. felt that harsh is probably doing decently decently but they all feel, still feel little betrayed that uh, the hindus feel little left out that hindus should not have to leave their homes if uh, out of fear uh, from people in their own state so that 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 little bit of undercurrent is there but even then they still feel that it's much better uh, under the bjp here fair enough uh, and uh, are you satisfied with the disturbed areas act do you think it is sound or do you see any problems with that too because you have told me no so uh, it or... see disturbed areas act how it is in place is that uh, it's not that entire city or state is placed under the disturbed areas act only particular area would be placed under the act so uh, it's the district collector's responsibility to maintain law and order in the state in the city and uh, that includes uh, communal harmony he is the main peacekeeper of the district so what the commissioner would do is he would reach out to the police commissioner ask him ki aapke uh, in your uh, police departments various area wise is there any place which where you have seen more uh, uh, you know fir's or complaints about uh communal discord or such polarization they have felt or such uh love jihad cases or forced religious conversion cases so then the police commissioner will reach out to the police inspectors of various uh, areas and on basis of the information they get they decide the commission the district collector decides uh which police station will fall into the disturbed areas act right so uh, i don't know about bombay but in in ahmedabad for example different areas like paldi police station so everything that falls into the paldi police station jurisdiction 
that will be part of the disturbed areas act not the entire ahmedabad now pardi is there because, uh, would be part of the area uh, the act because there again polarization jains and muslim population uh, live there together so neither community should feel polarized so it's not just jains who would, who should not feel polarized even muslim should not feel polarized people places like even juhapura has the act in place or uh, say daryapur has it has it in place so in that case these are muslim majority areas so these these places also have the act in place that's that's also to protect the interest of the muslims in that area that they should not feel polarized how it is then um, portrayed is that it is anti muslim act but no even their interests are being taken care of it's just to make sure that everyone lives peacefully kal ke kal ut ke aisa na ho ki someone comes and tells you you can't play the bhajan here because it's against my my it hurts my religious sentiments you probably then if the temple here which is here since 400 years if it hurts your religious sentiments maybe you could have stayed you could have chosen to live somewhere else why would you want to then come to this place and change you know make people feel uncomfortable with this way so yeah this yeah, that is the disturbing as that yeah so do so you know what the bottom line of all this is nobody wants to talk about it at a fundamental level again these are my views not nirvas <laughs> nobody wants to address this islam at a fundamental level i'm not talking about muslims so nobody quote me that i'm talking about muslims i'm talking about islam islam at a fundamental level has compatibility issues nobody wants to talk about it that's just the fact because jains live with hindus jains can live with sikh people you know a little you know the, the whole it's very funny like people don't like facts uh, here's a little fact on this podcast hindus have this image of being the most vegetarian after jains little do they know sikhs are more vegetarian than hindus <laughs> the, but what's the standard in india ek hath mein whiskey ki bottle ek hath mein tandoori chicken balle 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 kar rahe yeah yeah they don't know that the fact is and sikh logo mein vegetarianism is not 1-2% more than hindus more than 12 to 13% that's like a gigantic jump of vegetarianism but they live together you don't find ghettos where like so at a fundamental level it, this doesn't mean we should ban islam nor am i insinuating that right, we should right, ban islam right exactly nor, nor yeah. do i intend to ban islam but my point is that we need to draw a line somewhere like we need to draw that that line somewhere where if you're not able to do your puja in an area and this applies to the muslim in the hindu area too by the way and it should be even for everyone so if uh, a muslim is not allowed to blare the loudspeaker after 10 pm according to the law the hindu should not be allowed to if the muslim is supposed to maintain certain noise decibels the hindu should also maintain certain noise decibels but if the state fails then what is happening in parts of gujarat where the moment x starts y starts of another religion is going to happen and which is why i always say it's the failure of the state beyond a point and the state capacity and unfortunately in india you know we don't talk about police reforms which is don't we don't want to ha- hire more cops nobody there is no vote bank for cops you know hire more cops 
like two states in india have the highest police to citizen ratio one is punjab one is nagaland punjab being a border state and a completely uh, ruined state because mm-hmm. of you know terrorism uh, in the early uh, mid 80s to 90s and nagaland i don't need to explain why the police is there but even there the ratio is not as per international standards the international standards is like one cop for 100 people in punjab it's like i think 200 or something so even punjab is like you know half of what the international standard is that's how bad it is gujarat is way below by the way maharashtra is even worse than gujarat where mumbai is the most well policed place in maharashtra like you go outside mumbai you will not see cops you will literally not see cops police ka police hi nahi dikhti hai it's it's that bad but mumbai yeah you see the police so so now let us get into because a lot of the questions by the audiences are also related um now so it, uh so somebody has asked i used to go on a bike ride and happen to come across havia and dang district they are uh, tribal areas so uh, are they still largely christian or has the demography in those areas changed today in gujarat the wow, the you know. christian conversion mafia i don't know the exact dem- whether the demography has changed or not but the uh, tribal areas in gujarat especially the dangs and narmada areas they do have the christian conversion mafia the missionary mafia uh, managed there that is that is a fact um but now as we can see in in, in the urban part of the country the islam conversion is is increasing hmm All right. This question is very interesting. Do the converted continue to get money or jobs in the long run? What What happens there? No, they there? don't. So the most of the times they don't. Like what happened in this racket where it was unearthed was also this that they were promised a lot of money, but they didn't get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they were promised. So unke naam pe they would get money, a huge amount of money, but pass on only fraction of that money to them. so that's what that's when the these these people got realized they realized that this is not they did not convert them because they love them or because that they thought that allah they would be better off in in the chaya of allah but they converted them because they were getting money and uh, after <laughs> initial 4 5 months the money stops no i'll tell you a very funny story <laughs> i can't reveal the source at all because this is like really confidential but i can tell you the latter half so i was talking to someone and they told me what's the story that i think like, why do these conversions fail so much he like kya karega itna corrupt log hai aadha paisa kha jata hai aur uske paas paisa nahi milta to wapas wo log reconvert ho jata hai which is true that happens i'm telling you i mean uh i'll tell you the whole story offline because some things are meant to be offline but yeah this uh, i can totally relate <laughs> it was very funny yeah. <laughs> he literally told me kya karega aadha paisa kha jata hai wo log <laughs> so the one who's yeah. getting the money to convert people it's so corrupt that, that person is also like main aadha maar leta hu aadha usko transfer karta hu fir bolta hai are bola 100 diya 50 aise thoda hota hai cheating hai i'm going back <laughs> deal cancelled <laughs> so it actually happens so yeah the so people don't realize it's so funny and so complex i okay so this question has been asked to you apart from the minor in part 1 how much has nirva noticed our forced conversions in courts is written that is conversion and fraud 
versus being done willingly out of free will as in uh, when you were talking to people were there more forced conversions or were there more conversions out of just you know i felt okay, love, uh, i like this, this religion okay I, I, so remember that earlier i had this moment where i forgot what i was saying i suddenly remembered it exactly this question triggered that memory back so uh, thank you for the question uh, so i'll tell you couple of things one is a forced uh, luring is happening in terms of hiding name hiding identity that is a fact uh, they are also uh, lured by promises like no daru meet munga ye nahi karunga tujhe pyar tak karunga they would give them money to run the household for a couple of months so that she realizes you know he is he's a good guy and all that so this is all luring this is all deceit uh in 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 other cases when i was talking about the the educated and the financially decently well off cases what happens is that they would promise them ki we will not convert you follow your faith i'll follow my faith that's how they are they are told they are promised that the, there will be no conversion eventually so they get married also under the special marriage act now this is because also they are, the girl's family is educated girl is educated so they know the, the law a little bit so they, uh, they this is what happens now couple, in in after couple of months acha ye hai wo hai she there she is uh, groomed in a manner that everyone in the house is praying is 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 a believer of islam and they start that that's all that faith is being talked about so subsequently they are like acha why don't you also tum itna sab kar liya hai hamara bachcha ho raha hai ye hai wo hai why don't you also convert to islam so that's when she converts to islam now she converts to islam so now she does not part of the now she part of the muslim personal law board so subsequently when uh, there have been cases where they have been abandoned or asked uh, or uh, uh when the guy brings in a second wife or things like these happen she is left with very little legal recourse because the personal law board comes into force and she has very little to go on with um so yeah this would also be termed as love jihad or the grooming jihad as i would say and because this is deceit even if you promised nahi hoga and there is no conversion in the beginning there is no conversion at the time of marriage but subsequently there is conversion even if consensual this is little problematic yeah um, because what people refuse to uh, you know to doubly back you up is that when the inherent nature of the religion is that if you don't believe in me you're going to hell there is always that incentive whether it is out of love as they say in christianity or whether it is out of other reasons in islam the point is there is always this thing if you are a believer and and i get it that not everyone thinks like that but the point is the fundamentals of the religion are bit like that i didn't make it the damn religion is like that so what do you want me to do is my answer to everyone who says how can you say that book pad le maine nahi banaya hai maine book pad li main to book ko hi quote karta hu sirf so the point is that there is always going to be this problem where how can i be married to someone who's going to hell okay yeah. <laughs> i don't know i i don't have the answer for that which you know leaves the larger question for what are we going to do today i i mean i don't know i don't have any good answers but anyways i want to ask the next question so nirva being on the ground extensively for these reports how many 
converts are reverting back to Hinduism and how do they do that is the question. I think the, what they are interested in, so I, I okay, I, I'll elaborate, I think, what they're trying to say. Because Hinduism, uh, not that other religions in India don't, because even Muslims, we know the Pasmanda issue and Christians also have uh, casteism in them. And, you know, Sikhs have the Jat Sikh uh, and the Ramgadiya Ravidasya problem before anybody says that. But Hindus also have a casteism problem, which is a, one of the reasons why people convert out of Hinduism like it or not that is a reality now how do they tackle this problem like uh, what do you know folks like you know rss bajrang dal and many other religious organizations do when they come back is like there is some ceremony involved i mean what do they do uh i am not very aware of these things what i got to know from them um, i was not told a lot of details i i should have asked more details but maybe for next time but uh, uh, they were uh, taken. They were taken to temples. They were made to recite the the holy scriptures, uh, the Sanskrit shlokas, and uh, to, you know, given the prasad and told them, you know, this is how it is. This is your, this is your uh, faith, and this is welcome back to the faith. Uh, but uh, that that's all that I'm aware of. I'm unfortunately I don't know what the entire process of reversing. Hinduism is about. I should probably uh, learn more about it, maybe next time. Yeah, because I think ritualism and uh, this whole thing about purity and pollution is a very common factor in all religious identities from an evolutionary level. I'm just talking about it. And it's just, you know, if you enter a club, right, just think about it. Even if you enter a Rotary Club, there is a welcome ceremony, right? They, they welcome you in or the Lions Club or uh, so look at religion as a larger club, right? So if you're re-entering that club, what did you do for me? I'm back. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's that kind of a thing. So so that's why when we join a soccer club too, you know, there is that, okay, you have your beer or something. So, so ritual is part of that. So I guess, uh, I mean, in my experience, I've seen uh, a lot of places they do a havan because of my Arya Samaj background and uh, that lo and behold, Arya Samaj is the biggest reconverting uh, organization in India, uh, which people don't realize. Arya Samaj was the one who, may, you know, make conversion great again, hashtag uh, kind of Arya Samaj. Yeah, we we, we call it reverting because we believe that all it's Hinduism is the original religion. Because yes, obviously Gharvapsi. India being the, ha, so it is Gharvapsi, it's reversion, reverting to Hinduism, not reconverting yeah, to Hinduism. So, yeah, so that, that was the thing. Okay, so this is asked another. So Nirva, you spoke of a lack of empathy for the victim. Can you elaborate uh, what, what do you think is the key problem and what can we do as a society to tackle that? Because look, at the end of the day, if that poor girl went through that, and this is actually a very good question that the viewer has asked, somewhere the society has failed her too, right? Where she comes back and she faces all these issues. And especially, let's just be very clear, for women, it's harder. It is harder for women. And these issues matter. So so, so do you think the, the activists, when I'm talking about, you know, there are NGOs that also work on this. So are the NGOs looking at this specific aspect where maybe there are kind of support groups for women who come back to their old faith, are, original faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you how the, the lack of empathy is, uh, was so bad. Uh, in the 90s, uh, there was this major mass uh, sexual abuse scan scandal that had come out in Ajmer, mm. where the people yes. associated were the Chistis, uh, who were uh, the families of the caretakers of the Ajmer Dargah. 
uh, one of them, uh, one of the prime accused, uh, was uh, he surrendered a couple of years back only. But uh, the scandal was so big and it was uh, so humiliating. There were so many underage girls involved, hundreds of girls involved. Uh, the the uh, when you talk about the lack of empathy, uh, there were reports that when um, uh, for years after the scandal broke out, uh, some of the times the parents of uh, the groom would go and talk to the police and try to make sure that the girl they have chosen for their son was not one of the victims in the sex scandal. So this is the lack of empathy. How does it matter? My was it her choice that she was part of? Yeah. So, see that that's 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 the lack of empathy, right? You, uh, uh, how, how does that matter? If you if you've chosen the girl, you do you want to dig into her past for what joy? Uh, doesn't doesn't she have the all the you know right to be as happy in a married life? It is such a humiliating thing when someone your prospective and uh, suppose the girl uh, was not even part of the sex scandal. Imagine the plight of the new bride then that her in-laws actually did this. They inquired whether she was part of a sex scandal or not. That is also more humiliating for the girl who was probably not even a victim of the scandal. Mm. So uh, this 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 kind of lack of empathy, the the mother would keep a tab on the the girl. phone Why is she talking again on phone? Who is she going out with? She keeping a father keeping a tab on her, keeping her calling her, or uh, uh, looking down upon her and not talking to her. These are the things that make you feel that you know maybe you did such a huge crime that you are not your own parents are not willing to talk to you. So why would you then blame the society if, if your own folks are not talking to you? So society as a society also, we need to be a little more uh, uh, conscious that, uh, uh, you know, like shit happens. Things were beyond her control. Even if she went with the guy out of her own free will, uh, because she was deceived, she thought that Sonu was a Hindu and uh, the, the idea that he was not of the same faith did not strike her. And when she decides to, okay, this is this is wrong, and she wants to come back, then just just take her back, man. Why are you making life all the more difficult for her? Uh, not that she is very happy or proud of what what she did. So even even in case of say conversion of uh, of families of of say where where uh, um, where the Dalits conversions happen and or tribals are converted in other parts of the country. Uh, they are also um, uh, uh, when they come back, or sometimes they a uh, lot of Hindus they use very derogatory terms for them. Uh, how do you then? How would they then feel welcome back into your your faith if you are being so mean? Uh, when when I shared the video of Pooja on Twitter, there were some people leaving comments that no sympathy for her. Why no sympathy for her? She is literally telling you that she was abducted. Why do you still not have sympathy for her? It really, it's, it's uh, moral decay is so deep. It, I can't believe it. I, I, the only way I can present it, Nirva, is that when you, whether we like it, again, my views, not Nirva's, but then I'm known to piss people off. Uh, uh, when you mix misogyny, sexism, 
with religion, it's a lethal combination because you have a certifying agency now, right? Which certifies this rubbish. And I mean, you, Twitter is a perfect place where, you know, we, we get exposed to a lot of this rubbish where, you know, that girl is literally a victim. That girl you have spoken about. And she goes through trauma and all the geniuses can offer is <laughs> shaming the victim. And that stems from, whether we like it or not, that stems from a very sexist and misogynistic attitude. Whether people like it or not, that's just the fact of life. And, oh, this is a Western construct. Western or Scandinavian or problem hai. You can't, and you know what the funny is? This is the same lot that whines when conversion happens. This is the same lot that shames the victim when they come back. How can you have it both ways? What kind of a monstrous attitude is this? And it's just disgusting. I don't know how to say it, but and sometimes you know I feel like I have to say certain things because you know for multiple reasons some people don't say it. So I, I just go ahead and say it. It's a huge problem in our society. Every day on Twitter, I I see women being exposed to what kind of rubbish. I mean, and everybody is like, oh, silly deals, bully deals. I can, Nirva, right now. In fact, you know, what the hell? I, I'll read those hashtags. You know, what kind of ridiculous targeting uh, women are uh, exposed to was sent to me. In an email, you know, Hindu women being targeted on social media, and because it's all part of this 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 shit show that you know we talk about, uh, and I don't know how I managed to go and uh, you know read all of that, uh, but holy shit, um, I went through some of those. Uh, I don't know. Should I take the names of those sites and make them famous or those hashtags is what I'm worried about. It's like I went through those hashtags. I got an email and oh my word. Were those emails crazy? There are specific hashtags. Specific hashtags that you know target Hindu women. Yeah. H for M. Yes. There were yes. there were rape fantasies, there were porn fantasies on on oh where uh, the the woman was a Hindu woman and Sanskari woman. They mentioned in the caption that I yeah. am a I'm a Sanskari Hindu woman and uh, uh, my husband. And then <sighs> they they would have the fantasy of how uh, she she's also obviously married because they are, they show her wearing a mangal sutra and sindoor and. And then she's fantasizing about um, you know what? about a man who's obviously uh, a Muslim man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really in a double mind because I know the hashtags that are there. I mean, yeah, I wrote an article on it. I know the hashtags as well. Yeah, it's it, it, oh, so. I'm just gonna. One of them is hashtag Sanskari. I know you're talking about one of them is hashtag Sanskari, and I just went through those hashtags and I went through those posts and. 
if you are this tribal and and this is for both sides that if you're this tribal and into group thing that you can only see one side of trauma and you can't see other you're the problem not anybody else <laughs> i have a problem with sully deals bully deals as well as absolutely. this absolutely absolutely both the both the both the spectrum both of them the solidil bullidil as bad as this bad as, along with solidil bullidil and all that the fact that the, the actual grooming jihad takes place let us not also ignore the crime on ground and yes, not just and, on and, social and media dedicated targeting on social media through hashtags of hindu girls specifically specifically and there are proper hashtags for this the only reason i'm not doing this is because i know a lot of incels follow me who have nothing else to do in life and they're going to go and check those women out and harass them that is the only reason i'm not sharing those hashtags right now on the ch- chat otherwise i could have done that because i don't want to you know encourage those incels to go and uh, target those women even more the point is it's ridiculous but you know what i'm 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 conscious of our time nirwa so before we wrap things up i'm going to l- give you the last word so take it so what are your last words last words a uh, let us uh, as i said i think uh, the crime on ground let us not ignore that that these things happen let us not turn a blind eye um, yes not all interfaith uh, marriages are grooming jihad uh, yes people may want to convert to different religion out of their own free will uh, but having said that there are also so many thousands and thousands of cases where there is an element of deceit and these should be called out there has to be a stronger uh, law in force so that uh, for all 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 people of all faith uh, uh, you know it's not just hindus who are being lured into sacred charity or islam even that happens in, that's happening in punjab as well to six where uh, uh, there are so many videos uh, of uh, post conversion that we have seen where baptism is happening of uh, of turban sex and all that so obviously it's there as well a minority right if hindu is a majority religion uh, six form part of the minority community in india so that these bills also protect them them and their interests so uh, and while sully deals bully deals all these hashtags yes they are there uh the harassment online is there i i may sound very i am not dismissing these at all uh but also being very realistic these are very least likely to convert into actual crimes hmm. uh having said that let us also focus on the actual crimes uh which are way more dangerous there are lives at stake here uh the woman turns up in a suitcase so let's not dismiss these cases as figment of hindutva imagination um, that's that's my only 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 concern that's you know let's not ignore these cases yeah i agree with you nirva first of all uh, before we wrap today's uh, chat up i i once again want to say that i'm really proud of the work you've done uh, fantastic work i i love you know the moment i read them i was like oh god this is this is a brilliant work and and you know full full marks to you for going out there grinding it out and and you know producing these reports so and and thanks sir thank i want to thank you thanks for doing this because you know 
maybe these stories would not have come out maybe this would not have come out and you know good good on you and uh, and i hope you continue to do this work so and and thanks for coming and chatting with me too thank you thank you thank you so much all right guys i'm going to wrap today's discussion up but so before i go i just want to say this look i am not someone i in fact one of the biggest reasons i'm disliked by the non left also is that i don't hate muslims apparently enough for them but i refuse to because i'm not like that i am a rational human being i i i i talk about ideas i don't talk about individuals there are good individuals bad individuals and i'm not going <clears> to <throat> look at it any other way through the prism of ideology and that's all i do but to and i know many people in the left do come and listen to this podcast or watch it on youtube so, you know to you i think you need to do some introspection these stories are real the life of that woman who's called pooja obviously the name has changed is ruined and the trauma she's gone through is real and you know if you are a left finger i thought left fingers were all about compassion and empathy and if and you can't them. feel for yeah and, and if you can't feel for them boy there is something wrong with your head there is something seriously wrong with your head and i don't know what else to say other than you know we need to step up and talk about these reports we need to talk against this it doesn't matter which side of the aisle because if you go through pain and agony because the process of proselytization is really mind shattering especially in the case of you know of a pagan or a non abrahamic person going into the other side it's just because the world views are so different you know a lot of times when a christian converts to islam a lot of base level agreements exist about about the religion but in the case of a pagan going to the other side it's it's a very completely different process and and i have, and in my work i have seen the trauma that they go through and and it's not good and to to say it is not an issue is a disservice i'm going to wrap today's discussion up on this another thing all the four reports that nirva has written uh what i have done is uh, in the description of this podcast i have left a link to nirva's page on op india so so what what that will do is that when you go there you click that link you will get all the reports together obviously there are other articles that nirva has written too and i would encourage you to read them too but this is the best way to go i i i could have left all the four links separately but that would have been shoddy so it's better this way and i encourage you to go and read it read it with an open mind if you have questions i've left nirva's twitter handle too maybe you can ask questions to her on twitter too and she would be more than happy to maybe clear, clarify your queries there too also in the end be a kind human being don't be a jackass and especially if if you are on twitter don't be nasty to women don't don't do it i'll leave it at that keep listening to the charvak podcast you know the drill i'll see you guys next time until then take care Bye bye